and welcome to the Shenanacast. Uh, we have commandeered this podcast from John because John is currently out at Desert Bus. Uh, if you don't know about that, you, um, you maybe haven't been around to the end of our past couple podcasts or you just don't know what Desert Bus is. It is a charity drive to help uh, raise money for Child's Play organized by Loading Ready Run. You can check it out at www.desertbus.org. They will be busing all week long. Um, in the meantime, though, this is a Shenanacast, and today I am joined... By, I am Shadow Chorus, also known as William. And I am Pookie Death Bunny, also known as Holly. And I am Units, also known as your host. Also known as Austin. So, um, today we had a bit of a unique opportunity uh, with my wife, uh, Mrs. Death Bunny here. Uh, we had, uh, she has been, uh, in the past month or so, learning to play a lot of modern video games. And... You hear a lot of podcasts from the viewpoint of really experienced gamers um, or, you know, a lot of gaming enthusiasts, and I thought it'd be interesting to do a podcast about learning to play video games, Um, because there are a number of challenges in video games now that are different from when Shadow Course and I learned how to play video games. Um, Some might say they're more complex. At the very least, the controllers are a heck of a lot more complicated than they were than uh, when it was, you know, keyboard or the Genesis D-pad ABC. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So they're certainly they're they're certainly more intimidating now. The Atari, which was a joystick and a button. Yes. Back when back when I was learning to play Cubert, which was probably the first you know arcade type game I learned to play at the age of three. Or uh, what was it? Your what was uh, it? Was, uh, it's like it was like the duck hunt or something. No, it was like it was like um, it was like there was a karate man or something. It was like a, it was like a kung fu like moving through a dojo thing on the or like the NES. Whereas uh, you 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 have been playing um, Mass Effect and Overlord, a little bit more complicated. Yeah. So, um, real quick, just to just to to give an overview of where we are as gamers, um, I'm. I've been playing games since I was three years old. Um, I started with parser games. I did mostly PC gaming, but I did. Uh, I had uh, most of the Sega systems, Genesis, Dreamcast, um, Game Gear. Never had a Saturn. Don't regret it. <laughs> uh, and I, I picked up a couple of Nintendo consoles. So I, I have a long period of gaming, but I was never a. I was rarely a hardcore gamer. Um, I got. I've gotten really good at a couple games, but. I'm, I'm not the most experienced of gamers. Shadow Course, on the other hand. As a, I, if there is a hardcore gamer in our group, it is probably me. Um, I've, again, been playing since I was a small child, uh, but unlike Austin, I spent most of my entertainment and free time playing video games. I probably got the highest density of video games here. Um, because, to me, they were just more fun than doing anything else to me, and I'm, I, uh, it kind of, gaming became kind of second nature to me. It's, uh, it's something that I have never really had an issue doing. It's something that I've always been good at and always been getting better at. Um, so if there is the experienced gamer to be found here, it's me. All right. And Pookie? Yeah, I'm brand new at this stuff. I walk into walls. I drive tanks off bridges. And uh, just as a quick aside, why, why didn't you play? I'm willing. Shadow Course played a lot of video games because it was what he did. Um, I didn't play as many because I was a very versatile child. I, pl- I did a lot of things. I played some sports. I did theater. I did this, that, and the other thing. Why didn't you play a lot of video games? Um, this has been mentioned before in uh, one of our live streams. When I was a child, video games were basically banned from my house. Um, my mother, I don't like saying banned, but she did not accept video games. <laughs> there was no rule per se. <laughs> but she wouldn't buy me video games. Yeah. And as a child, I did not have my own money, so she would rather I go outside and play. Or watch TV. Or, or watch TV or something like or that. Or watch the Titanic at the age of seven. Eight. But eight. yes. Yeah. Um... I, I would go over to one of my friends that lived across the street from me. She had, like, Sonic and Mario. And so those were what I knew because that's what she had. So basically, if I played, it was at her house. 
or at sleepovers with her. And that was about it. And I think she was actually my only friend at that time that played video games. All right. Um, so with, with these experience levels, obviously there's, there's different elements to learning a new video game. Um, when, you, when you pick up a controller for a brand new video game, there's different experiences depending on how experienced you are as a gamer. So, um, since every game is a new game to you, what has been your biggest challenge in, in trying to learn video games, uh, Mrs. Death Bunny? Walking. <laughs> Moving both joysticks at once. Um, because, like I said, I've played a little bit of Sonic, a little bit of Mario, like Mario Party, and like racing games, and then you put me, well, I tried Skyrim that one night, because I was like, yeah, I want to try this, and then I'm like, ah, dragon's attacking, how do I move? That's a wall, I can't turn my head, what am I doing? Yeah, there's a lot of games now that are not accommodating to people who aren't used to the double joystick method of moving. Um, and when you think about it, the, the separation and the double joystick method is a bus. <laughs> Don't just ignore the bus. <laughs> just ignore the bus. We'll, we'll pretend it's the desert bus, <laughs> the friendly desert bus. Has come to Georgia. Sure, why not? <laughs> um, but things like the double joystick, which. Shadow of Chorus and I would have evolved into because we went through the 2D to 3D dimension and the terrible tank controls in the 90s 3D games. And the one joystick Nintendo 64 controller. The most awkwardly paced one joystick. Um, I, hope you like, I hope you like pressing with your palm. <laughs> which, by the way, those joysticks were also not high quality and pressing with your palm straight broke them. <laughs> And also hurt your hand, usually. Um, so, obviously, walking with two joysticks is difficult, but um, Overlord doesn't walk with two joysticks. How's that experience been? I'm trying to remember how you look. How do you look in Overlord? The left bumper. You, you, you point in the direction. That's right. Um, I mean, it's a little better than Mass Effect. I'm getting there, slowly. Alright, so aside from... From walking, what what are the other what are, what are the most difficult things to learn? Um, I'm trying to remember, I had something else. Well, I know Overlord has a whole bunch of every button does like multiple different things. Remembering everything, that was it. Yeah. Um. With all these games, it's like, okay, here's how you move, and press A to jump, okay, and now like Mass Effect, it's like, okay, now press start, and press this, and press this, and then you can go into this, and just trying to remember what does everything. Trying try to navigate all the menus. Yeah. Even like basic things, when I was playing Heroes of the Storm, and it's like, okay, you control it with mainly these four keys and the mouse. And even that's like, okay, so press Q, that's R. All right, press Q. All right, yeah, still not Q. <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing. Um, that would have been your first, compu- that would have been your first uh, keyboard. Um, uh, they're, they're called WASDA controls. W- Actually, no, no, they're QWERTY. Oh, they're QWERTY? Q-W-E-R-T-Y. But this one is just Q-W-E-R. Oh, it has those controls. Yeah. It's QW. No, there's also Z. There's also Z. But the, and the, th- there's another one. The, 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 pri- the primary buttons are QWER and then the, le- and then the mouse. Okay. So we, you haven't played a WASDA game yet. I'm, I'm curious to see that. What was that look? W-A-S-D. <laughs> it, it's, it was one of the things as a child that I had trouble wrapping my head around. It's like, why aren't we using the arrow keys? Why are we using the letter keys? Uh, and then I, I quickly realized that it's, oh, because the arrow key is so far over here yeah. that I can't use that and my mouse efficiently and reach these keys. It was, I mean, I, yeah. It was figured out very quickly, but as, as a small child, it, it took me a couple days to be like, what? oh, right, because I want to use other buttons and then learning to use your hand across... The entirety of the keyboard. Video games are also the reason that I have to type so well. <laughs> um, so, so how is using a keyboard? I, hmm. is, is it harder? Is it harder or easier than than the controller? 
Because the controller only has so many buttons. The keyboard has... I, mean, I think it's a little easier than the controller because the controller... There, there's a lot of stuff going on with that. Okay. But I just... It's... It's... It's not easy. Okay. So, <laughs> controlling your character... Um, I think one of the biggest separations is, is simply... If I tell you, jump... How how what do you what goes through your head? Jump with my legs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's first, and then you're like you're playing a video game, and I say you need to jump. A, usually. I, I, yes, usually. And usually. Yeah. I mean that's what it was in um, Fallout Three. So actually, Fallout Three is Y. It's not, it's is it Y? Y? Yeah. A is the interactive Fallout Three, but yes, in, in most video games, A is jump. Okay. So there we go. You're not wrong. Like no, um, well, I am wrong if it's not A in Fallout Three. I, yes. that is incorrect. That that is incorrect. But but yeah, no, A, A is A is usually sort of the standard. A, A, A is the standard for like non RPGs. It's, it's the standard for platformer for three dimensional platformers. Sorry, um, it's it's the standard for games where jumping is important. Yes. Um. One would argue that jumping is important in Skyrim because it lets you climb over mountain ranges. But some or you can people, ride a horse. Some people tell you you're not supposed to jump over mountain ranges and you're supposed to complete the plot. Is that how you died? We don't. We don't talk of this. <laughs> um, you die a lot doing stuff. Like yeah, that. I have an obsession with playing games on the highest possible difficulty, even if I've never played them before. Um, which, we, is an, which is another learning experience. Yeah, we streamed some serious Sam earlier today on the hardest difficulty, and I don't play a lot of FPSs, and I'd never played Serious Sam, and it was... It was entertaining, for me, at the very least. You also don't stick to the plot. Mm, yeah, I'm bad at that, not being linear. But, um, as far as controllers, um, from my personal experience, I also have a challenge, though mine is different. Mine is the, I'm so used to a certain number of controller layouts that when I play a new game... I get really thrown if the controller layout is similar but different. <laughs> um, one of the biggest things is I play a lot of the you know your your Elder Scrolls games, and then I switch over to Dark Souls. And for whatever reason, I want to jump with Y, and that's not how you jump in Dark Souls. Is it A? No, it's B. It's B. Dang it! <laughs> Uh, One day it's gonna be a. Um, what, what does Y do in Dark Souls? Y is uh, what changing your stance from one-handed to two-handed. Yep. And um, yeah, so I do that, and I want to attack with and with both triggers, which isn't how you attack, and uh, the bumpers. That is one thing I've always had problems with the new controllers is the bumper versus the trigger. I get them mixed up really easily, but that's because... One's a bumper, one's a Well, trigger. not not the name. <laughs> I will hit the bumper, meaning hit the trigger. <laughs> this is this is me divulging my scrubness to all of you. I when, when For me, it's a case of I, I always remember them because one is... I use two different fingers for them. I use the index for the bumpers and then the middle finger for the triggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never got used to that because I, I mostly played Nintendo and Nintendo games really didn't have bumpers. The closest you had was the Z button on the GameCube. No, actually, they didn't have triggers. <laughs> you could argue that if you don't have one or the other, then, then they're, then they're, they're basically the same. Yeah, but. Um, and the Wiimote certainly doesn't have bumpers. <laughs> no, certainly not. Because it's a Wiimote. Um, and I don't play a lot of FPSs. Which are the primary use, primary bumper use games? The games that I play, I mean, even games like Skyrim use bumpers occasionally for incidental things or for the key part of Skyrim, which is shouting and using your powers. Yeah, but I play as a Khajiit and I use it for my night eye, which is just sort of a passive thing that I activate all the time. So you, um, you press the bumper all the time and you still confuse them. <laughs> what we're saying is I'm a scrub. <laughs> Um, but no, the biggest thing for me is I'll pick up a new game and I will hit the wrong button. Because, and I did because it with, because a different and game I did it, through. I did it with Serious Sam a lot. Um, I kept being like, I need to jump over this Y button, which doesn't do anything. 
or I need to switch weapons, and the game I was used to playing that had weapon switching um, used the bumpers to switch weapons. That doesn't... No. Use the left trigger to switch weapons. Because that game does use the bumpers to switch weapons. I've already got them confused in my head. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah. So, that's it for me. Um, so, Resident Not Scrub. <laughs> Oh. What, what do you have left to learn when you pick up a new game? Uh, Nothing. Just whatever's new. Um, like, I've never had an issue learning video games, but it's always been fun for me. Like, for me, it, someone hands me a controller and says, these buttons do these things. I'm like, okay, let's go. Um, and, and I just, I, it takes me maybe, it's like for a new video, for a new console, it takes me maybe a second to get used to the controller. Um, barring, like, I have one major issue with the Xbox One controller, which is the bumpers don't feel like you press them when you press them, because they don't depress very much, and they don't click. Oh, I hate buttons that don't feel like you press them when you press them. <laughs> so much. It's when I go to a gas station, and you're trying to enter the keypad on those buttons that are the, the flat panel, and, and don't and have any like depression. It's like, I, did I, I don't know if I press the And they don't right. beep at you. They don't, they don't, they don't give you they any don't, response. Any confirmation. It's very disconcerting. Um, um, I'm really bad at learning new controllers. That's why I have the bumper problem, is because it takes me a long time to get used to a controller. Because I never, I never console switched as a child. We only had enough money for one console at a time. I, I, I played um, anything I could get my hands on. Uh, yeah. Which uh, I, I, I realized that growing up, it kind of separated me even from like the gaming people. Because for me, it was um, my friends would, you know, when they get home, they'd play a video game for a few hours, you know, eat dinner, do other stuff, um, watch stuff on YouTube. And for me, it was like, all this stuff is really boring. I typically eat my dinner in my, in my room while I'm playing video games. Uh, it's like, for me, it was, I, I would always be playing video games. And I realized that just the sheer intensity with which I, and the sheer uh, density that I played video games was set me apart even from gamers. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely a casual gamer, so I'm not a person to really stand up against as, you know, a hardcore gamer. But even by those standards, you play... A lot. <laughs> in, just in breadth and variety. Yeah. Because you also don't get hung up on a video game. No, yeah. It's like, I, I enjoy learning video games, and I enjoy playing every video game that catches my eye. Um, I, I, I play... And when I, when I start playing a new video game, learning the new mechanics is very fun for me. It's not a challenge. It's just something that I enjoy doing. Um, because... It's like, oh, this game does it this way. Oh, and this is uh, this is a new, interesting way that I've seen uh, them attempt to simulate this. And it's like, oh, these are all new, cool things that this game is doing. I'm enjoying this. Um, and so for me, it's a it's a case of I'm kind of a polyglot. I, I just kind of I pick something up and I absorb it and learn it, and it's just there in my memory. And it's also like I don't have the issue that you do of bleed through because I'm really good at compartmentalizing games and keeping them separate in my mind. I, I remember the controls for Dark Souls when I'm playing Dark Souls. I don't worry about Skyrim controls when I'm playing Dark Souls. I worry about Skyrim controls when I'm playing Skyrim. <laughs> Alright. Um, so obviously we all do enjoy video games. Otherwise we wouldn't put effort into learning them or trying to figure out how do these bumpers work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Holly, as our, as our newest uh, video gamer, what do you enjoy most about the learning the video game experience? Uh, I, I enjoy the world, and I really enjoy playing someone I'm not, j just like in roleplay. Um, in video games, I like the fact that I don't mm -hmm. have to be a nice person, like an overlord, and I can just kick people and treat people like dirt. <laughs> I promise I'm a good person in real life. <laughs> so what is a teacher? You take care of children? Well, okay, that's the thing. I, I have to be, like, really nice and happy all day. So I love coming home and just beating things in in, in video, video games. games. In video or, games. She does not <laughs> she does not beat her husband. <laughs> no, I beat William. Oh. <laughs> um, so what so you enjoy being able to be somebody you're not? Yes. Um so what what kind of games have you enjoyed so far cuz you've played you, you, you've mostly played a couple, but you, you've tried a variety of games. Not that many. 
But I mean, you you've tried you tried now Fallout, which has you know mm-hmm. the guns and stuff. You tried Overlord, which has the the minion mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, you tried you tried Skyrim briefly. I'll get back to that once I can move. Um, and you, you you tried Mass Effect, which is much more dialogue. Mm-hmm. And then you you tried you tried I, I like... you, and then you tried Heroes of the Storm recently, which is more of like a, a sort of competitive action. Yeah. <laughs> and you tried Five Nights at Freddy's. We're not even going to talk about that. So, um, so, so which which of those games have you enjoyed the most? Um, it's hard to say on Fallout because I haven't gotten very far yeah. into that one yet. But I I really enjoy Fallout so far. Um, I really like Mass Effect a lot, and I like them all really. Um, I really enjoy Overlord, but that's again I get to kill things and just kick people and everything's okay. So. I, I'm an awful person. Well, then you're not an awful person. That's exactly why you enjoy. True. Um, kind of like in theater, people like to play the villains because it lets you explore what's what you're not allowed to do normally. Yes. Alright. Uh, William, when you pick up a new video game, what do you enjoy? Oh, I, I've already mentioned once, um, new mechanics, things that the game does that I haven't experienced already because I've played so many video games and such, I've got such a wide breadth of experience that I've played most of the most of the most of the mechanics and most of the types of video games that you can imagine. Uh, so when when a video game comes up with something new or a new way of doing something, a new twist, it it really catches my attention. Um but also, I really enjoy uh, experiencing new worlds, especially very well-written or very well-characterized worlds. Um, I think I, people who watch our podcast or uh, watch me uh, know that I value worlds very much. Uh, the worlds that we experience um, uh, are very high in what I enjoy about a game. Uh, so, like, when I first started playing Fallout 3, I was really, really impressed with some of the characters, specifically like Moira Brown and Three Dog. Because both of those characters are just so entertaining, so energetic, and so interesting in this world of post-apocalyptic depression, in that they're both really high energy and really upbeat. Uh, And in the case of of Three Dog, really charismatic. and so those were characters that I really liked. And I, I, honestly, just having those two characters in Fallout 3 really enriched my experience of playing it, just because of my interactions with them. All right. Uh, so then when you are playing, like, a sequel to a... A game that's a sequel to a world you already know, you know, what, where's the enjoyment in, in that? Because you, 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 you know this world. Okay. Uh, in that particular case, it's the enjoyment of getting to know more of this world, getting yeah. getting to experience new characters or learn more about how the world works or just even see new ways to view the world. Like, Fable changed drastically from Fable 1 to Fable 2, and again from Fable 2 to Fable 3. Some good ways, some bad ways, but the world was completely different each time. And they were all really interesting ways to view the world of Fable. Because um, you went, you went from this sort of heroes for hire, uh, but some have some natural born talent world of there's so many heroes, there's a guild of them. They they take tasks to uh, slay monsters and uh, perform great deeds. Uh, but you are uh, something special. You are something naturally talented in the arts of the hero. Uh, to Fallout or f- Fallout to Fable Two, uh, where. You are more the, um, you are a natural-born hero, where uh, this is this is where most of the traditional heroes have died out, the 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 run-of-the-mill everyday just skilled warriors heroes are gone. There's only those who are genetically heroic, those who have have, have that ancient bloodline that gives them that natural talent. So there's only there's only four of you. There's only four actual heroes. Uh, and then Fable 3, where it's been distilled even further, where e- where even in your own bloodline, not everyone is a hero. You are the first hero in generations. So it's sort of taking a world and slowly inverting it through 
the sequels and seeing how the same world reacts to an entirely different set of rules. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, you did mention new mechanics. Um, what have been some of your favorite attempts at new mechanics? It, it, or what are one some that you're excited for in new games? Oh, the, there's one that I'm excited for right now that's off the top of my head. In Heroes of the Storm, in, tomorrow in fact, uh, a character called Cho'Gall is being released. And Cho'Gall is a prominent character in Warcraft. He's a two-headed ogre uh, who rules the Twilight Hammer Clan. And the way they're making you play Cho'Gall is maybe the most impressive thing that I've ever seen in a MOBA, which is the genre that Heroes of Storm, League of Legends, and Dota fall into. Because Cho'Gall is two players in one character. Each player controls one of the two heads, Cho and Gaul. Uh, so you're actually you're reducing the number of heroes on the battlefield from five to four, but Cho'Gall makes up for it because he's basically two heroes crunched together because each player has their own set of abilities that they're controlling while, the char- while they're playing the character. The person who's playing Cho controls the movement, but the person who's playing Gaul can always be casting spells and making attacks. So this is a really interesting mechanic, and I'm really excited to see how it plays out tomorrow. Uh, but, like, old mechanics... There has been some interesting mechanics that have been in really bad games. <laughs> like, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but there was a movie that came out a while ago that was about a group of highly trained assassins, and the, the whole gimmick of the movie was curving the bullet, where by using the momentum of swinging your arm when you fire a gun, you can change the trajectory. Which, of course, is physically impossible. The physics completely <laughs> shut down. But it's an interesting concept, and when they made the video game adaptation of it, I had a lot of fun with this idea of curving the trajectory of your bullets as you fire to get around cover. Um, which was really... It was a bad game, but it was an interesting mechanic. And then, like, similarly, Never Dead. I don't know uh, if, if many of you have heard of Never Dead, but it's this idea of as your your character is immortal he cannot actually die however he can be hacked to pieces and so as you're as you're going through a fight you can be dismembered you can be just like completely severed you can be a pile of limbs rolling around on the floor until you manage to put yourself back together and the only way you can truly die is if your head is destroyed or eaten um and it's a really interesting mechanic on a really, really bad game. <laughs> there were a lot in the mid to late 90s that I feel were like that, because I remember a lot of games where I loved an idea or a mechanic or something they tried. Because um, that was, I think, that the mid to late 90s when they were experimenting with a lot of different engines, because 3D was new and they were wondering how do we incorporate 3D and how do we work with 3D and how do we reinvent... Um, RPGs, I think, were a big one trying to be reinvented in a 3D world because, of course, RPGs at the time were, were very point-and-click and trying to get RPGs to be more action-oriented outside of the, the very successful Japanese-style RPGs um, where 3D really... Final Fantasy VII, the fact that it was 3D really didn't make a difference. <laughs> um, so you had a lot of games that were trying new ways and it was... It was a great time to game because there were some great mechanics, but there were some really bad games, and the technology was not there to incorporate all these mechanics. Um, but, uh, so that was interesting. But my favorite thing about playing a new game is meeting the characters, especially all the side characters. Um, it's one of the reasons I, I really have enjoyed um, Bethesda games. Bethesda gives everyone a name and a story. As I think it's also common in Bioware. Yes. Bioware did it. Um, I love Bioware RPGs. You know, you go back to Boulder's Gate and you can just wander. You can talk to everybody. Everybody's got a story. But Holly, have you really enjoyed uh, some of the characters? Do you remember any of the characters that stand out to you from the few games that you've played that you really liked? Or really hated? I- um, I I don't know. I'm still well not playing long enough. Um, Overlord is more of a linear type of game, but Mass Effect. Yeah. Mass Effect has some side characters. Um, um, 
I mean, I, I like the side characters, and I like that you have, like, side missions, and you can talk to people. I'm just like, I know, like, some, some of the characters, like, in Overlord, you love to kick the Jester, and who doesn't? Okay, I just love to kick people. Who, who, yeah. doesn't, who doesn't love and to I, beat up the I Jester? I like going through Spree and just kicking people. <laughs> and I, I love when they have attention, like, we don't need for there to be a Jester here, but we're just going to throw away. We're going we're gonna to animate a model. I have to kick him every time. And just, just, yeah. And it, it just kick the jester. Just kick the, it makes your experience better. It's also yeah. really annoying because he gets in my way. <laughs> well, then you just kick him. I have to keep kicking him. Or the spring-loaded sheep. The spring-loaded sheep are the best thing ever. <laughs> These little sheep that have had, like, monster energy drinks that you get to just kill. And to clarify, you don't just kill them for no reason, though... I'm sure you would anyway. You actually do... I that, target that, the babies first. That's how you farm life. <laughs> you you farm essence to summon your minions. the worst teacher ever. <laughs> Again, it's that getting to be somebody you don't get to be during the day. Maybe it's that aggression. I target the children first. Because you know what they're capable of. Yes. The aggression I don't get to let out in the classroom because I would get fired. <laughs> But, yeah, Bioware and Bethesda both do a great job of creating massive worlds where everybody knows a story. Uh, Sierra and a lot of their games did, uh, and a lot of their, their adventure games, created large worlds where even the loosest character could be incorporated into the story. Uh, I'm getting a look for those of you who can't see, which is everybody, because if you can see, please get out of my house. Um, like I'd love to talk to you. Yeah, there's a doorbell. Um, I just, you know, giving you a look. But drinking game for how much you bring up Sierra, and also a drinking game for how many times you stray from the plot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did a little comic of that. Oh yeah, that we, we for those of you who don't know, we have show notes and um, <laughs> there's a pic. There's a, there's a little comic. Of two little stick figures, and there's my character going, wow, you're an awesome random person, and there's a plot, an arrow pointing to the plot in the opposite direction. I think it, it fits well. Um, I accidentally broke Fallout 3. By <laughs> he secretly broke Fallout 3 by going to Rivet City before he oh, even got yeah. to Galaxy News Radio. Like you, you completely missed the, 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 the entire quest line of going to, going to Galaxy but, News, and... But, and because of it, you didn't have a fat man to kill the the uh, the uh, super mutant behemoth that shows up there. But Moira was just being so adorable, and she wanted help with her book, so I had to. Yeah, help okay, her with she her was, book. she was the one last night that was talking about libraries. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. She, she, she's, the, she's the peppy one. I, I, I haven't gotten that far yet in Fallout Three, so. But um. To continue. But yeah, no. Meet, meeting new characters is a great part of a game. Um. And we mentioned this earlier, but I wanted to go back to it and kind of give the look over since we've, we've got some time which is learning games now compared to learning games when we were when, when Shadow Chorus and I were kids which for me was I'm six years older than you yeah I think yeah because John's seven years older than me yeah and I'm, I'm, I'm younger than John six and a half ish you're, you're seven years older than him no, six and a half. You, well, I, I sound like a child. Six years, I'm six and a half. Six years and 11 months older than him. I'm six and three quarters. Jeez. Anyway, back to the topic. <laughs> Speaking of getting sidetracked. Sorry. It's all right. Um, but back when, when we were kids, learning video games... And I think it, it's not only that, it's, it's how we, were, we learned video games. Because, number one, we were kids. When you're a child, your brain is naturally wired to pick up things very quickly. Because you kind of have to, to survive. Uh, yeah, I mean, your brain is still developing. It can fit, oh, video games, right up in there. Uh, and when the games are a joystick and a button, like the Atari, or type in words, he'll do it. It's much easier. Punch than, zombie. Yeah, or yeah, it's like here you have four arrows and three buttons. How complicated can this get? 
So um so Holly, let's go let's go over the mm-hmm. the, the, the the controller that you are using to play Overlord. Mm-hmm. So how do you move? Hold on. I'm <laughs> I have to visualize this. I move the left joystick. Okay, so you got the left joystick. Because the right one is for my minions. Yes, so you're moving two characters at the same time, one with each joystick. And then the right bumper to look around? Left bumper. Left bumper, sorry. And you use the left bumper to look. And right bumper is for choosing specific types of minions. Right! But it's not just the right bumper, it's the right bumper and the buttons. The D-pad. No, wait, no, yes, right bumper and It's right bumper and the buttons to select Never mind, I'm confusing myself. Look at that. (laughs) And then, um... But if you want to target your minions, what do you have to do? Um, yes. Trigger. Yes, you. I'm moving my finger so in the right, the right direction. Trigger, but trigger. if you want to send them to a specific target, you then also have to use the left trigger okay. and the right trigger. I didn't know there would be a test. And if you want to select specific minions, you use the right bumper to select uh, to bring up the minion menu. You hit the B button to hit, get your red minions. You hold the left trigger down to target, and you hit the right trigger down to send them at it. Then you solve world hunger. <laughs> so how do you hit people? I know this. A? There you go. Okay. <laughs> I have to get my fingers in the right positions, and I don't so, have a controller in front so, of me. So what we're saying is, the game's... Like the mo- the modern controller scheme that has kind of been universally accepted, at least by Microsoft and Sony, is two joysticks, four buttons, and then the D pad, and then two bumpers and two triggers. And don't forget the start menu because mm-hmm. sometimes you access things through the start menu. There's also the start button, and there's the back button, and the back button, or the select button, depending on what your controller is. Yeah. And. They yeah, created this beautiful system for when they run out of buttons. Oh, we'll just make a sub-menu. If you hold down one of your bumpers, it brings up another menu that changes what all of your other bumpers do. Because um, there was one game I played where left and right trigger, and then the left bumper switched you to magic mode, and every button had a different thing it did when you were in magic mode than when you were in not magic Which mode. Which game was this? Um, was it Sierra? No. It was, it was one of the, I can't remember, it, it was a, an action RPG, it was not a good game, <laughs> it was not a good game, but you, you had your, your walking around town mode, if you held down the right bumper, it brought up your physical commands, which is your, you know, right trigger to attack, left trigger to block, and then you could jump, you could roll, um, you could parry, etc., etc. The left trigger brought up your magic commands, right through a spell, left blocked a spell, and then you had your healing spell for like Y and this utility spell for B. And then your regular mode, where it's like, uh, where you can use your A button to talk to people and your B button to interact with objects and your Y so you, button to so pick you things had, up. Yeah, three different controller schemes: uh, role playing, physical combat, magical combat. Yes. <laughs> And there would be times when you had interact all three because you'd have to run into a scenario, you know, blow this guy up with a fireball, then defend yourself in melee, then pick up this key because you're recovering an item and running because they're infinitely spawning enemies. So you have to go out of both combat modes to grab the key and then you run. And then as you're leaving, you're probably, you know, using magical and physical defense alternatingly. Um, and if you're not me, that gets really confusing. Mm-hmm. Um... It took me a while to learn that one. Uh, I picked it up eventually, but... My head's kind of spinning (laughs) over here. So, um... In addition to that, though, I feel like... Whereas Mario had left and right, and then jump. I... Yeah. No, no, no. No, you you did have one game game system, quote-unquote. You had a Game Boy. Yeah. About the only thing I was... My mom's like, I'm accepted. I'm accept. I accept video games here. Have a Game Boy. Yeah. After like they've been out for like five years. Which was four arrows and two buttons because it only had mm-hmm. A and B. Um. So, uh, so how were those games? You picked up on those pretty quickly, right? Yeah, those are really easy to pick up on. It's like uh, I mostly played like Mario stuff on that. But I, f- I feel like the, the problem we run into as a society is that we assume that games that are easy to learn are for kids. So they don't make 
easy to learn games that are oriented for someone that's learning to play video games. I think that's, that's part of the reason the gaming is such an insular community still is that we don't have the capacity to teach new people games easily. Yeah. Well, and it, it's interesting when we when I first when Holly first picked up the controller to try out. I think it was Skyrim was the first one that you tried. Yeah. Try. By the way, Skyrim not a good game to learn video games on. There was a dragon. Um, it was a dragon and I didn't know how to run for some reason it did not occur to me how difficult dual joysticks would be and then I thought I about it I had no idea it was dual joysticks I ended up running into a wall repeatedly and there was a dragon breathing down fire um, and I remember uh, jumping was a challenge too I believe I th- it was all a challenge. Because moving and then the buttons, and you're using the buttons and both joysticks at I, once. I just kept looking up at the sky, or down at the floor. So like, and part of it is, isn't just learning the control schemes. Part of it is like the tactile function, because I realized that uh, as a gamer, asynchronous hand movement comes easy to me. But for a lot of people, that's really difficult. Like, to clarify, asynchronous hand movement is doing different things with both hands at once. Yeah. Just... In case you I, missed that term, I, I feel I feel like if I feel like people can piece that together based on the words, but yes, you also said it very fast. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, but for me, moving my thumbs in two different directions—one for camera, one for movement—is second nature. But for a lot of people, I, I realized as as I, as as I, as I was showing Holly different video games, I realized that a lot of people don't do that naturally. Well, it's, it's almost like. If I were to say, hey, I want you to pick up two pens and write with both hands at the same time. It was a trick I learned in high school, and it really impressed people to be able to write with two hands at once. And <laughs> and I feel like it's the same sort of thing. Once you learn it, it's actually really easy. It's just because your muscle memory said, tells you how to do it. But thinking about it from a standpoint of, I've never done this before. Which is, it reminds me... Uh, of my orchestra class because uh, when I was in middle school for orchestra they had uh, a, a trick a test that they wanted all of the all of the violin and uh, viola players and all, really all of the string instrument players to learn uh, which was to meet both of your both of your hands your, your index and middle finger at the top of a circle and then with both of those hands move down opposite lengths of the circle until they met at the bottom and then go back up to the top and keep, and, and keep doing that repeatedly. And I realized that it was really easy for me, but a lot of the other people were struggling with it because it requires you to move your hands in two different directions at once. Wait. I'm doing it right now. What am I doing? I can't do it! You're, you're making... You're basically moving your fingers in opposite, dire- in opposite circles. <laughs> she has to stop and focus on it. <laughs> I don't even know so if I did like, that correctly. This, this is a perfect example. William does it instinctively... I look at it for about three seconds and I do it, but I have to think about it. And I'm the idiot. And you've never had a reason to try to move your hands in opposite circles. It's not something that comes up in your in your childhood unless you instinctively play video games. Um, it's why I was really good at violin because I could, I could have my hands hitting hitting the notes properly and my other hand moving moving the bow. And it wasn't it wasn't an issue for me. Well, it was really funny. Um, yeah, so it's, it's okay, Holly. <laughs> it's not. We were just demonstrating that it's really hard for people who don't play video games to separate their their hand. I know what you were doing. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna stay down here. <laughs> my safe place. They can't, the, the, the mic is not down there. I don't care. I don't know that the mic can hear you properly. I don't care. You can't hurt me down here. <laughs> <laughs> Video games can't hurt you, Holly. Um, I think we broke my wife. <laughs> it's okay. I think I broke her last time when I had her playing heroes at the store. Okay, that was also just stress and everything. Um, but if I hear a ding again... <laughs> Another thing that I think a lot of modern video games do 
is modern video games have very large graphical capacity nowadays. And we can put a lot of sprites on the screen at once. And one thing that's very common in modern video games is visual and sensory overload. Um, so, so when you were playing Heroes of the Storm, Holly, how I'm many... going to get this. <laughs> how many things did you have to watch out for at once? Um... I don't know. Uh, like, how much was going on on the screen? I mean, there was a lot. Like, there were things attacking, and then there were dings, and then there were there were towers attacking, and it, it, there was there was a lot of attacking. Okay, so there, there's troops attacking, there's towers attacking, and there's dings that your towers are being attacked. No, it's no. Uh, the, the no. the uh, the those sound effects she's wearing about is the the ding is an alert that says a tower is targeting you specifically. Okay. And so whenever you hear the ding, you know a tower is about to shoot at you. And she just kind of it, it developed this in this fear response to hearing that ding. The next time the toaster oven goes off, I'm gonna freak out. <laughs> um, and so what we have nowadays, in addition to the complex control schemes, is we have games that have a lot of that use all of your senses at the same time and get you very involved. And so there's a lot visually going on and suddenly your brain is getting sound cues that it's associated with being attacked. And for somebody who is learning video games and doesn't have the strong compartmentalization or separation from video games, you develop stress reactions. So, what was your experience of playing Curse of the Storm? Um... Sorry, I'm determined to get this. Um, what was my what now? Your experience. You, when you, after, you, you, after you played your storm for a bit, and you started getting all the dings and being attacked. Um, I think anyone watching in chat knows. It was superbly entertaining, but I feel very sorry. I, I hyperventilated, and it took me a good 30 minutes afterwards to completely come down from it because I made myself really dizzy after that. Um, I just started hyperventilating and having panic attacks every time I heard a ding. Okay, because there's so many of your senses being utilized, your brain is completely immersed in this game, and then your brain is perceiving this ding means I'm being attacked, and if it's not compartmentalized every time you hear a ding... You think someone's coming at you with a knife. You think someone's coming at you. And I feel like th- these are a variety of things that put peop- new people off of video games, is that they're stressful and terrifying if you have trouble separating yourself from them, and new games are so involving on a sensory level. Um, Which, to, to experienced gamers, is great. Like, to me, having all the sensory input from Heroes of the Storm is excellent. Like, yeah. I, I, I get input, the, the attacks of the enemy heroes are distinct, so I can, point, so I can pick them out. The sounds of the, the sound of the the sound of the tower warning lets me know that I'm under attack and I should be moving out of the tower's range. Like they're all cues for me, but for people who aren't used to video games, they're noise. Yes, and there's a lot of them, and it's especially frustrating when you know that you're supposed to recognize some of them as different things and you haven't learned which ones are which yet, and so it just comes into a massive oh my goodness something's coming at me. <laughs> Um, Something is happening. What is happening? And if you look at games like Mario, they are intentionally graphically simplistic. Even if they're, even if they're, stop mocking me, William. Even if they're gorgeous games, um, you don't. You you have very distinct sounds. You make a boing sound when you jump, and all the enemies make a little pop sound when you land on them and they go away. And it's it's very recognizable, it's very simplistic, and it's it's very introductory towards the boing sound is a good thing, the pop sound is a good thing, you getting Things hit... Things are bad. You getting hit makes a single noise and that's a bad thing. And it, it, it moves you into it. Um, and so as a child we learn these sorts of things. Or, you know, when, when I was playing Sonic as a child... I learned that that crash sound was a bad thing. And so whenever they started making similar noises to that... That... As you lost all your... As yes, you lost all your exactly. Your yes, lost all your rings. Um, they, they could begin to shorthand. 
And so for somebody jumping, and, and, and it's what it is. It's a shorthand. <laughs> it's trained instincts to make a shorthand. And when somebody is thrown into into all of this, it's kind of like here. Um, you need to. It, it's not learning to write with a pen and paper. It's here. We need you to learn to read and write as a court reporter. Have you ever seen a court reporter typing machine? Yeah. They're ridiculous. They're shorthand everywhere, and they're really efficient and really fast, and you can do all sorts of crazy things with them. Or you can throw one out a window. Because what the heck? I don't know how to use that. Um, but yeah, no, I think those are the two biggest biggest problems with modern gaming versus older gaming is sensory overload as well um, as well as complexity. Yeah, at least for learning. I would say controller layout more than just more than just complexity. Complexity and controls. Um, are there any things that have really been sticking you up aside from trying to move your hands in opposite circles? I can't it? do it. You've been very quiet while you focus on these circles. No, no matter how hard I try, I can't do it. Is, is there anything else that you think's been catching you up aside from the the controls or or the dings and the stress? Everything. Anything or anything in specific that has been problematic for you to figure out, other than like the movement and the oh, um, I, I can think of one thing. Hmm. Where do I go next? Navigation and remembering where you've been. So I'm trying to remember everything else that's going on. Remembering where I've been is not easy. I, I, it, you know, it's a miracle if I don't run into a wall or someone or drive off a bridge. Which you do rather frequently. Or uh, I'm gonna hurt you like <laughs> really badly. No, but 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 seriously, as as a new gamer, um, you're, you're expected to remember everywhere you've been, and you're expected to be able to navigate complex worlds. Yes. So um, there's a map in the in the in the bottom corner of the screen, right? There is. It's it's a little dial that's got a radar and dots on it. Yeah. That is all but unintelligible yeah. to somebody who doesn't know what it is. I, I don't... Yeah. And um, I feel like it's another situation where we as gamers have assumed that, oh yeah, no, it's a radar screen. Everybody knows how these work, right? Everyone knows how the minimap works. Everybody knows what a minimap does. That was at the, when I was first... When I was playing Skyrim, I said, Austin, where am I going? Arrow on the top of the screen. What arrow? Where am I going? How do I move? Arrow on the top of the screen. No, wait, where? Arrow right there. Well, and the problem wasn't you couldn't see there. You saw the arrow. But it's not intelligible as a map to any sane person who has seen a map. And so, it's, it's a, I think it's another gaming shorthand that we've come used to is mini-maps and FPSs and... The way that we navigate is very counterintuitive um, to new players. But that said, like as experienced players, you wouldn't change it. No, <laughs> it, 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 and that's the problem: is making a game that well, it, it's almost impossible for for a game to utilize everything efficiently and still be accommodating to new players. And it's very difficult for a gaming company to make the decision that we're going to make this game specifically so that new gamers like it at the expense of the stable and dedicated audience. Um, it's, like it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a weird market to say we're going to uh, completely alienate our regular people so that we can try and bring new people in. But we're not trying to target kids. We're not making a Mario game. We're <laughs> trying to target grown adults who want to learn video games. Um... Which is where the Wii was really successful. Um, Because the Wii had a very... A number of games with very instinctive controls. And the Wii also got a very simple control scheme. It's... You got two buttons and... You got three buttons and the the D-pad. Or if you're using the nunchuck, uh, another two buttons and a joystick. Yeah. Um... And so the, them targeting, first of all, them targeting the people with the mo- with the money, the parents, mm-hmm. that was that was genius in and of itself. But 
creating games that were simplistic that weren't necessarily designed for kids, I feel, was a big move for them. Um, but uh, I, th I think that's enough. Is there, was there any other thoughts that you guys had on the, 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 the new video gamers who are also adults market? I feel broken. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like you guys broke me. I didn't mean to break you. I'm broken now. I didn't mean to bring up I'm every... broken. I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you. I don't believe you. I'm broken now. I'm sorry. I don't believe you. Alright. Um, I broke my wife. <laughs> I feel a little bad now. But, um... I'm okay. Hopefully you enjoyed this experience. Um, I wasn't aware there were going to be any tests. So, uh, yeah, just, just to, to further exemplify the problem of stress in video games. <laughs> so many things. So many things. And you want stress well. Um, but yes. Video games, not for the faint of heart. Uh, this, this was a bit of an irregular podcast for us. Um, again, uh, we don't have... John Orson Taku this week, and we will not have him. John Orson Taku. Yes, he's two. He's actually two people. Are uh, they both in Canada right now? Yes. Huh. See, John, that John, John has John is an evil twin. See when when sorry, what, John is the evil twin. The, the one the one behind the the one behind the computer is John. The one in front of the camera is Taku. Well, that that makes perfect sense. Actually, can it be an evil twin if they're both evil? <laughs> That's a good question. Which one's the evil twin at that point? I guess both of them? He just has a twin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> at this point. It's like, it, like, if the good twin is a homicidal mass murderer, uh, which one is the, how is the evil twin? We don't, we don't discuss that. <laughs> anyway, but uh, he will not be joining us next week either. He will be recovering from Desert Bus, which has a bit of a recovery process. Indeed. Um... So it'll be us again. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss something more tabletop role-playing in which uh, Pookie the Death Bunny is... Don't break me. ...much more experienced. Yes. Um, and thanks for listening. Uh, we put one of these up every Monday in addition to our actual play. We're currently playing through A Simpler Life, which is a World of Warcraft campaign that Shadow Chorus is DMing. Um, these are accessible, of course, on our Podbean or on our website, www.finalshowfilms.com. Final Show Films is also where you put up a variety of other content. We do two sketch comedy bits a week called Two Guys, One Camera. Um, we also have access to our Twitch channel, uh, twitch.tv slash sensetaku, where we stream every day. Every day, uh, usually in the mornings. Uh, this week is going to be a little bit different because, again, sensetaku is in Canada. Um, but we will be streaming tomorrow from 4 to 7, where you will get to see uh, the lovely Mrs. Death Bunny. Oh, that's right. I'm playing games again. Le learning. Like in the learning process so if this fascinates you uh, check that out and um, if you enjoy all of our content uh, check out our Patreon uh, FS Films at Patreon uh, because everything that we do patreon.com slash FS Films yes for those who actually want the proper link for those who want the proper link it is on our website as well uh, but it is uh, patreon.com slash FS Films um, everything we do is supported by you uh, so any money that you want to support it helps us a lot, and you can see on there a number of projects that we want to do. Um, the the video game cooking show has been delayed for Desert Bus. That that's why it's been delayed so far. It will. We're hoping by the end of this month, um, but there's also American Thanksgiving to take into account. Yes. Uh, we were not we're expecting coming up a, upon the holidays. So. We're not expecting the Patreon to take off quite so quickly. Um, but don't worry, we will get that to you as soon as it is possible. Um, hopefully, the week after the uh, the week after this one, we'll have a chance. Yeah. But we'll see. But anyway, um, a special thanks to Jessica Shea, who is our fifty dollars supporter, and David Pay and Chris Comfort, our twenty five dollars supporters. Fifteen, I should specify because I I heard fifty for a second. I Sorry. heard fifty also. Fifteen dollar Jessica Shea and David <laughs> Pay. And Chris Comfort is $25. And she has uh, a heart attack. <laughs> a, a, a big thanks to, you, to the three of you, and uh, a, thank, a big thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Um, so, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, we will talk to you next week. Bye. 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 Yeah.